0: Hello and welcome back to Nutrition Matters with Beth Wyman. I'm your host, Beth Wyman. Today is a recorded episode. I am actually out in Vermont reviewing um, some sites for their Head Start program and uh, I do their menus for them out there as well. So it's uh, preschool and uh, kindergarten classrooms, some infant classrooms, that I'll be in observing their meals today. So back to our series that we were working on today is all about dinner specifically. Um, Dinner has uh, some social components to it, just like what we talked about with lunch a few episodes ago, that uh, is very interesting. So when you're looking at dinner, this is another meal where, just like lunch, you're probably looking at a lean source of protein, a nice whole grain to use for your carbohydrates, and then adding in about half of your plate as vegetables. Um, so this, how you get there, is what looks different for everybody. So when you are... um say, going out to dinner, right? This is where that social component can start to come in. You want to look at the menu and see what you can pick that's going to most closely resemble that pattern of having a lean protein with a whole grain and some vegetables. The whole grain might be a little bit harder when you're out to eat. Um, you might, and what you typically will find on a menu is something like, um, either like grilled chicken or some sort of not fried fish, um, or even like a lean steak will work too, to get in a lean source of protein. And then you can almost always find something like that with a seasonal vegetable and then either uh, roasted potatoes or rice pilaf as a side. And that's going to be a pretty decent meal to choose when you're out somewhere, uh, right? And have a little bit less control over the food. If you know where you're going out to eat ahead of time, It's easier if you look up the menu before you go. I'm not talking like as you're trying to walk out the door. I'm talking like a couple hours before at a time when you're not hungry. So you're not making these decisions from a place of being hungry. And go through the menu then, right? Look it up, go through the menu and figure out, okay, what would be... A good choice for me to make. What does fit into my day? It's what's going to help me reach those goals. And then you might even be able to find like two or three things that would fit well with what you need. And so you can say that you can make a mental note for yourself. Okay, when I get there, these are my three options. And then you get to pick what sounds good at the time. So there's some other social considerations with dinner, right? So say you're at a friend's house or something we'll be talking a lot more about in the upcoming months, holiday parties. What if you're at a family gathering or a party where there isn't a menu selection? You're just served what you're served, Um this is do your best, and sometimes that comes down to try to make sure that there's some vegetables included. This is a way to really simplify what you're looking at. If you try to make about half of your plate vegetables, it's going to help you with the portion control for all of the other stuff on your plate too. So you do your best, and it's definitely not always going to be perfect, especially as we get into this holiday time, Um, and there's different gatherings and social things, but sometimes it is a special occasion, and so in that case, have what you're going to have, but it's definitely not always a special occasion, right? We don't have special occasions every week. That's just not realistic, Um, so sometimes going out to eat, going out to dinner is special and then treat it like that. But if it's just because you're tired and don't want to cook or um, it's just a random, you know, Wednesday, then that doesn't really count. You still want to try to stick with um, making the better selections in the situation you're in. Now, in terms of cooking at home. Um, Some people cook every night for dinner, right? And are making something new and different every single night of the week. And if you love doing that, more power to you. I definitely can't. Um, That's just a lot of time that I don't have. I do enjoy cooking. Uh, It's just not Realistic for where I am in life right now. Right? We've got different uh, kid activities and things to run to. um, And so there's not always the time to be doing that. And then we roll right from dinner time into bedtime. So if it's something that uses half my pans or all of my pans and makes a ton of dishes, then that's not going to be a good fit particularly for me and my life. Um, and so that's something that definitely you want to take into consideration when you are either picking out um, different recipes to try um, or getting ready for your meals for the week. Thinking about what it's going to take to make and clean up that meal is just as important as whether or not it's going to meet your nutrition needs. Making sure that it's going to fit fit your lifestyle, too. Um, so, for people that are busier, right, and can't cook every night, uh, what I usually suggest is batch cooking. So, most people have heard of, like, meal prepping, right, and cooking stuff ahead of time, and... Basically, having leftovers in the fridge. Um, In our lunch episode, I talked about how these are great for making lunches and packing lunches. And they're also great for an easy dinner. Um, You can either just have the exact same meal again, or you can sort of recreate it, right? So, usually at the beginning of the week... I will, like, batch cook a protein. So, like, this week we did chicken breast. And so I seasoned and cooked up um, more chicken breast than I would need for the dinner that day so that I can use it throughout the week. And so we might, like, um, slice that up and reheat it with some stir-fry vegetables and put it over rice and have, like, a chicken stir-fry one day. Um, I'm probably going to like dice it up and make chicken quesadillas out of it another day. I'm probably going to just reheat it and eat it with, um, rice and vegetables, which I know is very similar to the stir fry. And so really the taste difference there would be like the type of sauce you're using, um, and additional seasonings that you put on it to make it into a slightly different meal um but then the chicken's already cooked and it really shortens my actual cooking time on other days during the week to have that piece already done and using like frozen vegetables so that they're already cut up it's just about getting them to the right temperature to be able to eat them right i don't particularly want to eat them frozen um Although sometimes my daughter does snack on frozen vegetables, which is, you know, that's fine. if She enjoys it. You know, she's not teething. I know sometimes children do that when they're teething too, but she's not teething. She's four. She just enjoys a good frozen vegetable sometimes. Um, but yeah, having frozen vegetables um, to add to it. Or, you know, I was even talking to somebody today who keeps um, microwave rice. It's like a a pouch, like a pouch of rice that you can just microwave. And the the varieties that are not seasoned, right, so where it's just plain rice, whatever it might be, brown rice, basmati rice, white rice, um, those were a great choice. It was essentially just rice in an easier, faster way to cook it than waiting for it to cook on the stove. And sometimes if you just don't have the time to cook it on the stove, that microwave version is going to work. Now, once you get into like the different seasoned ones is where the sodium content tends to get really high. Uh, So if anybody is watching their sodium intake or their blood pressure, things like that, it's something that they would certainly want to take into consideration and see if it actually fits for them and for what their restrictions that they've been given might be. Um, I know everybody's going to be a little bit different, especially with things like like heart failure, right? You're usually working really closely with your doctor, hopefully, with your cardiologist on um, how much sodium is okay for you at once and how much sodium is okay for you in a day overall. So, their quick, easy options absolutely have a place, um, especially if we've got a really busy lifestyle. You know, this is where, like, rethinking convenience foods comes in. Because, yeah, that um, that microwave rice pouch is a convenience food, um, but it's it's not the same as buying, like, snack food at the corner store right it's still getting you the nutrients you need it's just making it more convenient um same thing with buying like pre-cut up vegetables it's it's a convenience but if it helps you get to where you need to be then it's it's absolutely worth it if you are able to do that um Really what I tend to look at with dinners during the week is how to reduce the mental load, right? So that it doesn't feel like a chore at the end of the day. Uh, If we make it something more expected, it tends to be easier to stay on track. Because sometimes people feel like they've been like quote unquote good all day with their eating and then dinner and after dinner like gets off the rails so if you eat enough throughout the day, so at breakfast and lunch and at any kinds of snacks, then eating at dinner won't feel like a time where you need to like overindulge. Not that you're do not that anybody's really doing it as like an indulgence, but you've been so restrictive all day, you're hungry, then yeah, you're gonna eat. A lot and probably very quickly um, at dinner, and so that's not that's definitely not the goal. The goal is to evenly space your food intake throughout the day um so that you're gonna have more energy when you get to dinner time for any kind of cooking that you need to do, any um like food preparation that needs to be done um or remembering to lean into those convenience foods that you have right if it's frozen vegetables and um rice in a pouch to go in the microwave uh and leaning on those support tools it's just easier if you have fed yourself well all day your brain will be working better there's less brain fog um I mean, sleep plays in the, into that as well, but food certainly helps, especially um, when, if anybody's been, like, over-restricting and, like, trying to be quote-unquote good and so not eating much uh, for the re- for the rest of the earlier part of the day, that can definitely get you into some trouble. It makes it really, really hard to make a good choice. Where was I going with that? Something about, like, eating. Oh, so, yeah. So reducing the mental load, right? By feeding yourself all day, it's going to feel like less of a chore when you get to dinner. But then a couple other things that just make it easier is to even just loosely plan out what you're going to eat for the week. Right. So I don't necessarily assign it to certain days unless I know it's going to be a really busy week and I need that increased structure. But usually just knowing like, okay, for instance, say like this week I'm going to make tacos and then I'm going to do like um like a chicken sheet pan meal where it's chicken and vegetables all on a sheet pan that gets cooked in the oven. And then say I know I'm going to do like like pulled pork in the crock pot um so knowing the main dishes i'm going to be making helps me also pick out which kind of sides i want to have around um and then those then form themselves into full meals and i keep it written down um on one half of a sheet of paper and like column wise and then in the other column that's what I use to make my grocery list but then once I'm done grocery shopping I fold the paper in half and stick it on the fridge and that way I have a really easy reference of the things that I wanted to be able to make for dinner this week and so if it's a week where I haven't assigned it to specific days, I know that I can come into the kitchen when it's time to make dinner and I've got choices written on the fridge where I know I've got all the ingredients in the house already. And I know it's going to take me 30 minutes or less to make dinner, get it on the table. Because just with my life, I don't, I try not to pick any recipes that are going to take more than 30 minutes. Um, I typically don't have more than that between running to various activities and things and and work and such. So um, it's a good reference and it's a good reminder, right? Because how many times have you thought about like the things you want to make for the week and get maybe like different types of produce or different ingredients that you don't normally keep on hand Only to have it go bad in the fridge, right? Because you forgot that you got it and you forgot you wanted to make that dish. And then suddenly you've got like, I don't know, like leaks in the back of your fridge that you forgot you were going to make into something. Um, So this helps avoid that food waste, too. Uh, So there's a little bit of an environmental component to it as well. uh, To plan ahead and know what you're going to make. So... We talked about reducing the mental load by batch cooking some things to be able to use for leftovers, and also by writing down what you want to be able to cook, um, and keeping it, like, on the fridge or somewhere really visible so that you always know what you've got kind of on deck, ready to go. Uh, there are some... Some people, and I used to do this and I don't now anymore, but there are some people that even go so far as to, like, make freezer meals. Um, So I used to set aside, like, I think it was just a day. And this is back when I was in grad school. Um, And I would set aside a day. I think I've talked about this on the podcast before to make freezer meals. And so we would usually make about 24 meals that would feed like four to six people so that I would be able to feed my family and then have leftovers. And I would label the tops of them with like the directions of what needed to be done in order to make it, right? Like how long it needed to defrost, how to cook it, if anything needed to be added like any last final steps of cooking all went right on top of the container. I would get like the disposable aluminum pans and then tape this little index card with directions to the top and fill my deep freezer. And then that would either be a super easy meal for me to do or if it was a night where like just dad was home and I was either working late or was at school, um, he could pull it out and I usually it's like defrost overnight. So it would be in the fridge and he would know to just pull it out, follow the directions on the top of the pan and finish out dinner and have something on the table. So, Meal prepping can go that far where you're really preparing the entire meal ahead of time, or it can be as small as just batch cooking the protein, or making a tossed salad to keep in the fridge, or cutting up vegetables um, ahead of time. So that was something else that when I broke my finger over the summer, it was really hard to chop anything, and so... I would prep my meals for the week. Again, then my mom would come help me. Um, And she would even like pre-chop like the broccoli that I was going to use for some recipe. Because I could combine it all, right? And like stir. Um, That was easy enough. But the the chopping, excuse me, the chopping was the part that was difficult. For reference, I'm filming, filming, my gosh. I'm recording this after bedtime, so now it's almost 10 o'clock at night, Um, so I'm a little tired and my voice probably sounds a little bit more tired than normal because it is very much like the very tail end of my day, Um, but wanted to have a recording so that we could still finish out the series on meals for you guys and then get into, like, other... Like snacks and brunch, and we'll get into some holiday eating and strategies for that uh, moving forward, too. So, meal prep looks different for everybody. It's really about what's doing, what will fit your lifestyle, right? How much help future you will need. Um, And sometimes that's a little bit easier way to look at it is what does future you need? Because then sometimes we're a little bit more motivated to actually complete the task. Um, A lot of times it's easier to do something for somebody else than it is to do it for ourselves. So if we, like, separate out and start thinking about doing things for the future version of ourself, um, that can make it easier to do, like, new tasks uh, where we have to put in a little bit more thought or things that we don't particularly enjoy doing in the moment, right? So if you're not somebody that enjoys meal prepping, it's a way to look at it of, okay, well, I'm doing this for like, you know, the, the burnt out Thursday version of myself that I know absolutely needs help. Um, and that's, you know, we also think of, like, meal prepping as a Sunday afternoon activity to get ready for the week. And that's not always the case either, right? You're just, you're preparing for the next seven days or whatever cycle works for you. And so, for many people, that is, like, a, a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening type task. But if you do... um some kind of shift work where, you know, Saturday, Sunday, aren't your days off. Maybe your food prep day is Thursday or that's just like how it fits better with your life for whatever reason, um, that maybe a different day of the week is your prep day and that's completely fine, right? That's where you want to adjust the recommendation to fit your life, um, And bring it in and change it around so that, yeah, you're still doing the same thing. You're still reducing the mental load for future you, but maybe on a different day than somebody else. Even though, yeah, you're doing the same exact task, different days, so that you can stay on track as well and feed yourself well. Um. This is where I would love to have questions. It's definitely different doing this for just myself. Let's see. What usually comes with dinner, especially if you are going out to eat, a couple things. One, the bread basket uh, that comes as the appetizer. If it fits into your day and you're someone that, for whatever reason, needs more carbohydrate intake, go for it. Or if that's going to be your carb for the meal, then sure, have some. But generally speaking, you don't need that bread basket. It's not helping you. It's just keeping you entertained while you wait for your food. Um, So find other ways to entertain yourself. Maybe interact with like the people that you went with, things like that. That don't involve the bread basket because, like I said, it's really there just as a distraction, um, giving you something to do while you wait for your food. Um, it's yeah, that's that is the purpose that it serves. Uh, nutritionally, it's really not serving a purpose. The other end of our meal, though, let's talk about dessert. So. I know in our house, dessert is a very infrequent thing. And so it's become an ingrained behavior to not ask for dessert, right? They never really, my kids never really started out asking for it because it just wasn't always there. Um, Sometimes we will like have ice cream in the freezer and so they'll have some ice cream after dinner. Um, But it's not, definitely not a regular thing. And so my hope there is to instill in them that they don't need that sweetness after dinner as like a palate cleanser. Um, Like so many of us use that dessert as like a, well, I finished eating, I'm done for the day, I need something sweet. And it really becomes this more of like a, like a behavior craving, um, it's attached to good memories. It's like the check mark for the end of your day. And so there's a lot more tied into it than just the the nutritional aspect of the food. There's definitely like a a behavior component and emotional component to dessert, right? How many people earned their dessert as a kid, right? Like finish your plate, you get to have dessert. Or like you got really good grades, so you get ice cream. And so this goes back to what we talked about a few quite a few episodes ago about like food rewards. Um and you don't particular good grades. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of hard work. It's sure, reward them with ideally with something that's not food. Um, and you can go revisit that episode because I know that we tossed around like different ideas. Uh, But again, you don't get rewarded for finishing your dinner. Um, The goal is to eat until you're full, not to necessarily finish everything in front of you. Um, That is a very difficult one for especially some of my older clients to let go of. That you don't have to eat it and finish it just because it's on the plate in front of you. Um, It's okay to listen to your body and only eat until you're full and really like honor your body in that way and take good care of your body that way be a good steward with what you've been given um, by just eating until you're full um, and then you can save the rest for another meal if you really don't want to get rid of it Um, and there's enough left, you can certainly save it to be part of, like, lunch or dinner or whatnot the next day, helping to avoid some of that food waste if you want to. Um, Where was I going with that? Oh, the dessert piece of it. So you can, like, reframe, like, okay, what am I using for dessert? And maybe using, like, fruit for dessert, which has more health benefits than, like, the bowl of ice cream. But it's still finishing off the meal with a sweet something. And it's still playing into that, like, need for something sweet after dinner. So it kind of depends why somebody's doing it um, as to, like, what I would suggest. But always, 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 my first question is, are you hungry? Um, And this stops a lot of people in their tracks because it's not always something that we pay attention to, but we really, really need to, is figuring out whether or not we're actually hungry when we eat. So a lot of like listening to your body, right? Listening to see um, if it's full, right? And using that as your cue to stop eating. And then also listening for when it's empty or when it's still just, you know, not full enough and you need a little bit more. So, and this, I wish as if there was like a cut and dry, like, okay, this means you're hungry. This means you're full. But every body, like physical body is slightly different. And so our signals are slightly different. Um, for one person, hunger may be like that gnawing in your stomach, For another person, it might be a headache and a bad mood, right? Like, hangry, right? Um, That fullness, um, for some people, like, I will, so the fullness cue is interesting. What you're really looking for is to just not be hungry anymore. So it's more of like looking for the absence of a feeling. You're looking for the absence of that gnawing feeling the absence of that headache and that like heightened negative emotion right where you're hangry so full is essentially the opposite of emptiness um this is not stuffed this is not like thanksgiving dinner unbutton your pants because you ate too much kind of full i'm talking about just enough to be satisfied Um, and not, yeah, not overdoing it, not feeling uncomfortable. Um, so definitely listening to your body. And if you are hungry, go ahead, grab some kind of dessert. But if it's a regular occurrence, it's not a special occasion, you would want to go for something like fruit where you're getting in additional benefit. Um, right, with our antioxidants and vitamins and minerals, fiber, things like that. But if it is a special occasion, then it's different, right? It always depends. There's always some sort of catch. Um, If it's a special occasion, then yeah, have dessert. You know, food is part of the way that we celebrate in our culture. So if you're at a whatever birthday party something like that and that looks like a great cake that they have go ahead and have a slice there's a difference between having like a moderately sized slice of cake and having like a huge giant piece a moderate slice of cake every once in a while so like what i everybody wants something quantified so like maybe once a month or something that's not gonna derail you That's not what's going to undo your progress. Um, It'd be once you start doing it like every week, every other day, every day, then that will absolutely change your progress towards your goals. Um, But generally speaking, if you're truly keeping it to actual special occasions and then really only going for it, if you know it's going to be like the best of the best, uh, it really helps keep you limited in a space where you're having those foods and you're not deprived of them, but you're having it in a more appropriate setting. You're using it as a special occasion food on a special occasion, and those don't happen every week um, until we get into holidays, which I feel like the the party holiday party circuit, if you will, um, has not... Picked up to the same extent that it was pre-COVID. I mean, maybe that's just, like, the circles I run in. But um, it really just never got back up to where it used to be. Uh, Which, you know, it is what it is. And who knows? Maybe it'll come back. But that's not really the point to discuss. The point is more of um, we're coming up on a time of year where there's a lot of special occasions. And you might have a party every week or a party to go to, every, you know, a few times a week. So how to navigate those. It really comes down to it's they're not all special. Um, if it's going to be like a weekly occurrence, know that maybe like two of those you get the special treat and the other two, you just got to leave it. It's just not not going to be worth it. Now I'm just picturing like somebody calling up to see what kinds of different desserts are going to be served at the parties they're going to to make like the most informed decision possible on which (laughs) which party is going to count towards a special occasion. (laughs) Which I mean, if you need to do that, I I guess your friends might be interested in what you're doing uh, because that is an odd request. But hang on, I need a drink here. Uh, Um, one of, uh, hang on, I'm trying to think what else I want to add to the dinner piece of this. We covered what goes into it, we covered how to talk about going out to eat or eating at parties and friends' houses, some strategies for making it easier on yourself during the week, um... Let's do a little bit of, like, when you should eat, right? Um, At some point, there was some sort of, whatever, information out there that you should never eat after 7 o'clock. And while this might work for somebody who, say, goes to bed at 9 o'clock, that's not necessarily going to work for everybody. Um, In terms of meal spacing, you want to eat about every 3 to 4 hours. And typically that comes out to dinner around, when I'm making meal plans, I usually put dinner around like 6 or 7 o'clock, because most of the time people are not going to bed at 9 p.m. And then what we do is we space out, like, okay, after dinner you want minimally an hour before you get in bed. And what we're looking at there is allowing your body time to still use gravity While you're standing or sitting or whatever to help to pull that food through and digest it. Um, You also enter into like a different type of like nervous system state while you're sleeping. Where you're uh, right the quote-unquote rest and digest phase. So you're digesting it but then you're really going to be storing that food and putting it away. Because your body's aware that it's at rest and in the immediate future, you're not going to be needing it. Um, so it's more likely to actually store that food. So that being said, eating finish eating about an hour or so before going to bed. Which again, there's always exceptions to the rules for various reasons, but that's just sort of the general rule of thumb with meal spacing. Um every three to four hours not an hour before going to bed. So say I ate dinner at 7 and I'm going to bed at 10. Um, I would need to stop eating by 9 o'clock. And so because there's only a two-hour gap between 7 and 9, chances are I'm not even going to need a snack. Chances are that I'm really technically still full from dinner. Um, But so I don't need it's important to evaluate if there is actual hunger then absolutely eat but generally speaking especially those late night snacks we're not hungry um it just sounds good we're looking for a way to unwind and using food to get there which is not really a healthy choice um should definitely find other ways to unwind that don't include food but right that goes back to that reward system as well um, I actually find a lot of people can replace that, like, late night snack if they're not physically hungry with, like, a decaf tea or a decaf coffee, um, especially if you get, like, flavored ones, so, like, herbal teas that are, like, whatever, like, a, a peach flavor or something, Right can still feel a little bit, like, indulgent and help you have, like, a little bit of time where you're sitting down, curled up by yourself, um, like you might be with the snack, but then using, like, a decaf tea or decaf coffee will actually help you get in more water for the day. So in this instance, yes, it's a one-to-one behavior replacement, replacing the snack with a hot drink, Um, but then that new behavior is also serving you better and actually doing something constructive for your body um this goes back to what I just said a little bit ago was like you know replacing the dessert with fruit doesn't always really work um because yes the fruit's important but if it's out of habit um we need to shift that habit and maybe go for something more like a um Decaf tea, de, decaf coffee, where we're not putting in extra calories that we don't need. We're putting in extra fluids that we probably do need. I know that that's something that I struggle with, so I usually include it in just about everything. Um, I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Um, you can always use the um, the chat through Facebook, and let me know what kind of questions come up, um, whether or not you're using any of the information that you're hearing on here, other topics that you want to see covered. I absolutely love questions, and, um, and right, it gives me a little bit of direction, too, in terms of what you guys want to hear. Otherwise, I'm going to keep doing mini-series of things that I think are interesting that you guys will hopefully think are interesting too. So that's all I've got for dinner. I Not ideas, but like the topic of dinner for this week. Make, keep it simple, be that simple recipes or cooking things ahead of time, even chopping things up ahead of time. And when you do go out to eat, because we're social creatures, try to pick things that will help you stay on track, Uh, focusing on that lean protein, half your plate veggies, and then some sort of starch side. And when all else fails, make half of your plate vegetables because that's going to help reduce the portions of anything else you're eating. And that's the, the absolute simplest way to stay on track when you are not in control of the food. Um, If you guys want to find me online, you can always head over to my website and check it out. It's uh, Wyman Nutrition, so my last name, and then nutrition.com. And then I'm most active on Instagram. My handle is Beth Wyman underscore RD. Or you can also follow the business page on Facebook, and that's at EvolveDN. E V O L V E D as in dietitian and as a nutritionist. I hope you guys have a fabulous week and I'm looking forward to talking to you guys live uh, next Wednesday on the Nutrition Matter- Matters podcast. Bye.